0: everyone, and welcome to a brand new episode of The Rap right here on the Fight Game Media Network. Happy Monday to you all as we begin a brand new week in WWE, a quiet week in WWE. How does that sound? Nice, peaceful, calm, no PLEs for a month, just a very calming period to be a WWE fan. I'm Keela Cash and by my side as always is my right-hand man, my co-captain, the sometimes advocate for the rapidly improving Von Wagner and... A guy that is very much not looking forward to the upcoming NBA season because that means for the next eight months, we got beef. I bring to you as always Salty Scott Young. Welcome back, Salty. I'm
1: hurt, I'm old, I'm tired, and obviously I'm working with children. <laughs> and if you want these, if you want these lovely muffins, you can get them from hold on, let me read the package. You can get them from Baker Streets Mini Muffins. The tribal chief, my son, loves them. So, yeah. Keela, I'm sorry. I didn't, I, you know what? I admit, I, went, I wanted to do the, the thing big, but now I really got a muffin in my mouth, so I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. But again, you can get those from Mini Muffins from Baker Streets. They're open, you can get them at any grocery store. Usually, they're open seven days a week. Um, you know, ten to ten to nine, some stores. Food lines open to like nine or ten o'clock. Um, <laughs> Walmart, there's a twenty four hour one, so seven days a week, you can get them anywhere. Real good. Uh, it's always a pleasure to chop it up with you, Keila. Talk all things WWE. But when you started doing that, it just, you know, I'm I'm hurt. I'm old, and it reminded me that I'm working with children. That's where I'm at with it. And uh, joining us this week will be, a <laughs> guest. well, well Keela We'll get Keela later.
2: We'll get Keela Yeah, later.
1: We'll, we'll, get, we'll get back to Keela we'll, we'll later. Get, we'll get, um, pick her up later. Yeah, we'll, we'll get back to Keela. And uh, joining us this week uh, from a fellow Fight Game member and who hasn't been with us for a while, but really excited to have him back, Stephen Conway. Welcome back to the show.
2: Thank you so much. I'm definitely glad to be here, and I'm glad nah, I won't have to be breaking up any fights after the scrum today. So we'll see how this one goes. Uh, I feel like this one's going to be a little bit more copacetic than what we've been seeing with the other guys this week on AEW. Those uh, those folks have a lot of behind-the-scenes nastiness to talk about. We get to talk about some uh, some interesting and fun storyline stuff this week. So I'm looking forward to it, and I'm glad to be back. The question is, is Keela back? There we go. Is she? Yes. Okay,
0: good. (laughs) I just want to um, come back here for a moment because this is the first time in history I've been broken at the very top (laughs) of the show.
2: That was very good.
0: (laughs) I did not expect this. I was ambushed, to be honest with you guys. Um, The muffins. He tore up those muffins, by the way. Those muffins. Got a whole lot of press. I'm sure the sales skyrocketed <laughs> after eating those muffins <laughs> on an early Monday morning.
2: Who like, doesn't want wow. a bloody sweaty man promoting your muffins, huh? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Gave that man fuel for days, I tell you. But um, my God. So that one took me out. Unlike Tony Khan, I would have things to say about all of this. You know, I'm not going to sit there in silence and just let him talk about my people for 23 minutes. You know, but in all seriousness, what a what a week for professional wrestling. What a week for AEW. And we got to talk about the media scrum from hell very briefly, because when things happen in AEW, in some ways it might bounce back to WWE. And we had this conversation off the air a bit about CM Punk being on the shelf for the next eight months due to a torn triceps injury. And we don't know his status in AEW moving forward. The, The investigation is ongoing And we got video testimony, eyewitness accounts of what happened in that room that night post scrum when everything went to hell. So things are very much different in WWE. Vince is gone. Triple H is in charge. And it's an issue of when the time comes for someone to make a move and CM Punk most likely is not making that move due to many issues with Paul Levesque over the years. But We're in a situation now when your EVPs, the Young Bucks and Kitty Omega, were basically read for filth by CM Punk. And the owner of the company sat there and listened to it, did not vouch for his guys whatsoever. Your day ones that have been there for you since the very beginning of this company nearly four years ago. So you already lost one EVP in Cody this year to WWE. Now, as this thing gets settled if suspensions are standing for now, if contracts are due in the next year or two, do you foresee any members of the elite jumping to WWE? Because I think a level of trust has been broken despite the fight. When your owner, your top guy that writes the checks, does not defend you in any way during the scrum. He sits there the entire time. And now he takes action when it's too late. So Scott, do you foresee anybody from the EVPs, possibly saying, "Hmm, I built something nice, but like Cody, maybe it's time to go somewhere else where I can be appreciated for what I can do besides what I've done with this company for the last three and a half years."
1: Man, that's a that's a really tough question because you know, part of me says yes because I think that's the only way we're going to get to see certain matchups is if they go there because certain guys aren't going to go and vice versa. But the other part of me is is kind of like you know, we, you guys mentioned it off air and I thought it was a really good point. Eight months or however long, you know, their suspension, six months, however long their suspension is, that's going to, that's a really long time to kind of sit back and really think about things, let things mellow out and, you know, really kind of evaluate where you are and what you want to do. And, They have built this company, you know, regardless of how people feel about them, um, you know, as 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 people, as EVPs and all that nonsense, how good of a job they've done. They are the part of the foundation of this company. You know, they they have that they 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 have that to their name. And, you know, I, I think that's something that holds a lot of pride and you know, and it should. They are the first real quote unquote competition. You know, they're not nobody's driving anybody out of business, but they they are a real alternative that's on national television that gets real publicity. You know, real celebrities know about and that's something that you really hang your hat on and I just don't know I don't know if you, you know, if you go to the other company that you built this place to to really be against in the first place. So that's that's a that's a really tough question. I want to lean towards no just because of the foundation that they are, their legacy of not going to WWE. Like I feel like that's something at this point that they didn't go at first is very important to them. I mean, I don't know. This is just me outside looking in. I would feel like that would be something that's important to them is I never went to WWE. I didn't have to go to WWE to be a top guy, to be a main eventer, to create a promotion. I didn't have to do that.
0: And I I think that's something that they kind of want to hang their hat on. Do you see any one of them moving? If you had to pick one, two or three, which one would you prefer to make the jump? If I had to pick one, I'd love for the young. uh, Actually, give me
1: Kenny Omega, man. I. I think he would get over very quickly um with that audience. I think he's got the right mix of humor, but he can just his style is completely different. Like Buddy Murphy was getting over with his style, and Kenny Omega is that times 10. And that's that's me being nice to Buddy Murphy. Like I so I I have no doubt in my mind he would get over very quickly as a top guy. And I think Triple H would treat him with the respect he deserves. So it would be Kenny Omega. I just
0: I don't know if it's going to happen That is the thing And I go back to something that Kenny mentioned a few years ago When it was time to make a decision Because he was kind of leaning towards both At one point, but he ultimately chose AEW It was something that he thought He could really build up from the ground up But he always goes back to I like to challenge myself In WWE, I probably can't do What I want to do, but I can challenge Myself in that system Now the system has changed a bit In the last month or two. And you might be free to be the Kenny Omega you've been for the last 10 or so years. So I shoot it to Steven now regarding this entire situation. The odds of CM Punk coming back are highly, highly, highly low. My only thought process would be the one thing that has eluded him. His entire career is a main event at WrestleMania. And when you look at this year's WrestleMania, it was big, it was splashy. And that was probably the moment things changed a bit in terms of how WWE produced a two night show that really was a slam dunk both Saturday and Sunday. And you saw stone coast Steve Austin in the main event against Kevin Owens and punk, despite everything he's done in AEW saying I'm the dollars and cents here. That's the one thing that despite everything that you say, That's the one thing you're still chasing at the end of the day. But odds are it's not happening, but you never say never. But with the EVPs, I keep going back to Sunday and how your owner sat there and did not defend you when the guy eating muffins tells you you can't run a target. (laughs) So I'm like, where do we go from here? If the contracts are due, if they don't want to come back and they got to sit for a while, Do all three consider something? Do one most likely leans towards WWE? Because it's different now. You build a foundation for a great alternative, but at the same time, there's something here that you might get a bit more respect versus what you're getting right now.
2: Well, I don't think that they're going to get the situation that they have now anywhere else, and that is going to be a key thing. They have control Of a lot of things in AEW. Now, I mean, Tony's the the lead booker and he makes the final decisions. I understand that. But I don't think they are going to have remotely the influence. I don't think they're going to have remotely the uh, the pull in WWE that they would. I think Kenny Omega is the most likely to someday appear in WWE for reasons you mentioned, Keela, I do think he wants to challenge himself. It's one thing he really hasn't done. The Bucks, I think, are most likely to hang around in AEW. You know, Tony Khan built AEW on these guys, like you mentioned. I This was the original group. These were his buddies. These are the ones he wanted to create something with. I absolutely agree that he should have stuck up for him, and he was there having some sort of episode there because he just kind of stared straight ahead during that entire thing. He was probably in shock. But uh, the idea of the Bucks and Omega leaving, I feel like that's highly unlikely. I think that they're going to stick with what they got in AEW because I don't think they can really get a better situation anywhere else, although... WWE, if they decide to break the bank, change the salary structure, however you want to put it, and go ahead and go get them after these contracts are up, they have a shot. They have the money. They can try to turn their heads. And there is not animosity between WWE and these guys. There's competition. But Paul Levesque doesn't have any problem with Kenny Omega or the Young Bucks, personally, and neither do they vice versa. I mean, there were serious talks with all of them before AEW started, and everyone said all those talks were respectful. It's not off the table. I just feel like it's unlikely right now just because I think that people are going to kiss and make up. I mean, you know, that's the thing, like Scott mentioned, punk's on the shelf for eight months. That's a long time for everyone to cool off. And, and I mentioned off the air, this could be like a Bob Knight situation where they come back, they just say, OK, we're going to try this one more time. We have a zero tolerance policy for the now going forward in this type of behavior in the locker room. But everyone has agreed that we're going to try to all get along. They're not going to, it's not going to work, (laughs) but I think they will give it another try. And uh, then uh, we'll see what happens, because I I think this is going to flare up again, because there are these clashes of personality are a little too strong. But. The idea of the Bucks and Omega like leaving over this incident, I don't think that's what's going to happen, and uh, it would also leave them in a position of not a whole lot of power anyway. Because if if they just walk out of AEW and you know are mad at Tony and leave, then they don't have any leverage with WWE, and they're not going to get the deal they would have. So, I think everyone's going to give it one more try, and then after that, uh, you know, we'll have to see what happens. But I, I I think it's I think it's more likely the Bucks and Kenny are going to hang.
0: There's definitely money to be made in oh, yeah. eight months if they just stay the course and kiss and make up, as you mentioned. But I do think about somebody that made the jump this year in Cody Rhodes. He says the EVP role is highly overrated. Yeah. So maybe they're thinking, you know what? Maybe I want to be an executive in my 40s and maybe in in my 30s. You know what? This is too much for me because well, apparently you, I, I can't, you know, handle talent relations based yeah, on what happened on Sunday.
2: It's really interesting, too, Keila, that... Things have changed in that they did not portray Cody as coming back to the big leagues. They portrayed him as this is a star who is back in WWE and he was a star where he was before and now he is a big star here. They didn't give him a new name. They didn't give him new music. They didn't give him a new outfit and just say, oh, here's this person trying to make his way in the big leagues. Finally, it was like the way they would have, I think, in other eras. Instead, now the people in AEW were looking over there just going, hmm. You get the big entrance, WrestleMania, a whole stadium full of people. They don't treat us like schmucks. That's that, that Cody, Ro- the way they handled Cody Rhodes at Mania, I think is going to pay dividends for WWE in the future. It, it I think it puts some thoughts in some AEW people's minds that eh, they might treat us a little better now.
0: Definite possibility. Something to look out for in the next 18 months, because you know what? Free agency is going to be crazy. Mm-hmm. We thought it was going to be, oh, it's going to be all right. It's going to be crazy. Right deals are coming up in the next year or two. People's contracts are due. It is going to be open season. It's going to be very interesting to see where people go because things have changed in AEW in some ways, trying to keep things calm and steady with some leadership that's trying to say it's all good. But a lot was exposed on Sunday that was not pretty at all. And it kind of exposed a lot of stuff that has been going on behind the scenes for a while. And it all played out in front of the world with some muffins. <laughs> you can never forget it. It was a moment indeed. As we make the transition to WWE, what's going on in the E today? As we talk about what went down on Monday Night Raw right after Clash of the Castle and Caught Off Wells. And this show was good once again. And after weeks of predicting this, it has happened. Dominic Mysterio has joined Judgment Day. We have Broody, Hill, Dominic Mysterio, in All Black, And Edge came out to cut a very good promo, the highlight of the show, in my opinion, from Mike work standpoint, in that I was around Dominic because he was five years old. I know the kid very well. I stayed at his house. We hung out together, got tattoos with his dad. We're good. But at some point, you get into a grown man's business and you do what you did to me. I'm going to whoop your ass. So come out here, take your ass whooping. Ray comes out. He's like, please, Edge, I apologize on behalf of my son. He didn't mean it. Edge is like, if he's old enough to drive, he's old enough to drink, he's old enough to get in this ring, he can take this ass whooping. Saria comes out and she tells us that she has made a man out of Dominic by beating his ass with regularity.
2: Oh, by beating his ass. Okay. Okay.
0: Yes. By beating his ass on a regular basis because he likes it. He's a sub now. He comes out all in black. Judgment Day jumps Edge. Ray tries to make the save. Does not work. And for right now, I do like Dominic in this role. The mullet is still egregious. It's still hideous. <laughs> but it seems as if they're paying tribute to Eddie Guerrero. And we got some Eddie Suns chants in the crowd, which had me cracking up. Oh, so yeah. for what it is, I like where we're going. It's a nice switch for Dominic. We've been predicting this hill turn for well over a year now. It's finally happened. And for week one, I'm good. When he starts talking... Might be a different story, but right now he's got the brooding down, the all black. He's got the swag down week one. What are your thoughts, Stephen, on all of this thus far regarding the new and improved Dominic Mysterio? It
2: seemed like this was going to happen four or five times before it finally did. I feel like this has been the longest uh, turn coming in 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 a while. There were several different premium live events where I thought, okay, maybe this is going to be the night that it no, no, not tonight. And then finally it did. Uh, And when it happened, I thought Dominic actually played the role fairly well. Monday, he was pretty good right there. Ray is going to be really motivated to make this work. So he's going to do the whole thing where he won't fight Dominic. This is going to be something that they're going to put the carrot on the the end of the stick, right? He's going to say, no, I can't hit my son. I I can't do it. And Dom will just keep doing things to make Ray's life miserable until finally Ray snaps and says, all right, someone's got to teach this kid a lesson and now it's going to be me. There are a pile of really good workers involved in this feud that they can stash Dominic behind, including Rhea, for that matter. But it's... You know, Finn Balor's terrific. Uh, Damian Priest does good work. Edge is, edge is edge. You know, he's he's got a lot of equity with the fans and he can still pull out good performances when he needs to. And Ray is going to be highly motivated, like I said, to get his son in and to look good during this. So he's got a lot behind him in this story. Dom's not good in the ring. He doesn't have much of a future beyond this feud, really. Uh, but Ray's going to work as hard as possible to get it over. And that's something that they will probably work very hard to drag out as long as possible. Because I think everyone knows that once it's done, not a whole lot more for Dominic to do. Uh, so I think the matches will probably top out at okay when Dominic's in the ring but they can do things like have him continue to interfere, keep getting, stand in front of Ray and say, jump off the top rope on me, go ahead, dad, do it. And he won't do it. You know, there's, there's all kinds of ways they can kind of drag this out and make this work to the point that I think by the time they get in the ring and Dominic wrestles his father, I think people are gonna be ready to see Ray give him the ass whooping. I I feel like this is gonna work once it finally plays out with these folks.
0: NFL Sunday ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV I feel the same way as well. I think the storytelling is going to be key. And Rey Mysterio has been so good on the mic in the last three years, telling great stories, trying to really get himself over and his son in the process. And now you got an emotional way to the story to get your son over as a heel. And it is going to be a task for him to get Dom in that moment. But I think at the end, Ray is going to be motivated, as you mentioned, to really get his son towards the finish line. And this is a test for Dominic, too. Like, what can you do as a heel that's going to make you stand out even more? Than what you did as a babyface, which was all right. It wasn't all that. His entering work is so so. But can you bring something different to the table to make you stand out? Because I do want this to be more for him beyond the storyline. I don't want this to be the climax of his career. He's only 25 years old. But Scott, I'm going to toss it to you now. What are your thoughts on week one of Dom being a part of Judgment Day, being Rhea's sub, and his nonverbal cues as he really did have a command of this character despite not saying anything yet? <sighs> I thought this was a good
1: first week. A couple things that really stood out to me this week in particular. I thought this week, more than any, Rhea was really firmly established as kind of the head of that Judgment Day table. You know, I, I think this week really firmly entrenched her as the centerpiece of the group, which I'm all for. Uh, I thought Dominic looked great. Uh, they, they gave Edge a little bit of a leg injury for their match next week. And, you know, you both mentioned the in-ring work, which is, you know, so-so. And I, I completely agree as a babyface and i think this is a a really unique opportunity for them to change his his style completely you know instead of trying to be this lucha like his father you know and do these these you know high flying moves and you can keep the frog splash cuz you can say that's just me insulting my father so you can keep that cuz ray does that but everything else you would get rid of and maybe change your style. Go to something a little bit more ground-based. You know, maybe throw some more suplexes in there. But I think that, that's what this opportunity could really be for Dominic. And this could be a way for him to kind of distinguish himself. I think if he presents himself differently in the ring, that's going to start showing in his character and just how he carries himself and how he walks. Because I think he's already showing a ton of character growth in the last week as being Ria's sub. You know what I mean just the way he's reacting to her rubbing his shoulder he there was a little moment where he wouldn't make eye contact with Ray Mysterio as he's all rays all up in his face and you know he's he's looking up at him and Dom's just looking right over him and when Ray walks by Dom kind of looks back and Rhea sees it gives a smile ru- you know kind of grabs his shoulder aggressively but then in kind of a a sexual way rubs it at the same time and you see Dom look back and then turn and like re- get real focused back again. Like Little things like that are standing out. So I think Dominic has done a, a, a really good job with that. And I think now the next step, because I think he's going to get the character work, the next step is going to be that in ring. And I think this presents a real opportunity to just go in a different direction. You're not a high flyer, but you can be something else. The pedigree's there. We just got to figure out, how to best utilize it. And I think an in-ring shift and kind of your style is is the first, it would be another step towards that.
0: Yes. And I did like the line that Rhea said, whatever Poppy wants, Poppy gets. And Dom knows who Poppy is in our relationship. And I greatly appreciated that line. So I love this so far. I predicted it. We called it. It's great about damn time. And Dom looks good in the role. Not going to lie. The mother's got to go though. Got to cut that shit. Can't <laughs> take it. Cannot take it, but he's got swag now, which was not existent up until this week, which speaks to his ability to shift on a dime that he can be a very generic babyface one week and now he can be a sizzling heel with a judgment day. Good for Dominic in that regard. As we move on to someone I did not want to see back in WWE, but he's here. He's here. I'm not going to complain too much about it. He's in the best shape of his life. Not going to lie. I'm going to be fair here. Braun Strowman returns and he looks great. My only problem with this return is the fact that he destroyed four tag teams.
2: Oof.
0: You know, he's done this before, and I hate it every time he destroys viable tag teams. Bye bye, New Day. See ya, Alpha Academy. What's happened? Lost Othario, Street Profits, all beat down, destroyed. I'm not a fan of it. I did laugh at Chad Gable deliberately ducking the train <laughs> by Braun Strowman. That was a moment. He just fell over his feet like, now, Chad, you tried it. You had a receipt for him. You tried to cash in to embarrass that man upon his return, but he did okay in the end. But squashing for tag teams I wasn't here for, just beat up the 24-7 geeks, do that, and then we could call it a day. But just don't destroy tag teams vying for a shot at the undisputed tag team titles against the Usos, presumably at Extreme Rules next month. So, Scott, what is your take on the return of Braun Strowman to WWE despite my general lack of disinterest
1: well it's that's fair especially the way he did kind of come in and take out the four teams now I I kind of just chalked that up you know it was the end of a, a long match they they were doing big moves at that point Braun comes in as the big bully and is like yeah you guys are all worn down now I can run through all of you um but uh yeah so me personally I I think this is a really good pickup for WWE, and here's why. Braun's not going to set the world on fire. He's not going to be world champion. He's not going to have any dominant reigns. But what he is going to be, he's going to be a great monster for heels to overcome and for babyfaces to knock down. And what I mean by that is any heel that you want to get over and elevate to the main event Braun Strowman as a babyface is right there. You see the reactions he's getting. People are excited for him. He looks great, looks phenomenal. And the reaction will translate in the ring when you get that heel in there. Same thing if you have Braun as a heel and you want to get a, you can even do Braun as a face and you want to get a babyface over. When they topple Braun, it's just going to mean something. He's going to fill that upper mid card right before main event and get all those guys that you want to get over to the main event. So I I think this is a really good pickup. It's somebody people recognize I think the reactions he's gotten have have spoke for themselves. So yeah, I'm
0: all for it. All right, Stephen, your take on the return of Braun Strowman to WWE.
2: I think I fall more into Keela's area on this one than Scott's because I'm not a big fan of this guy, but I will say that they don't really have anything else for Roman Reigns to do right now. Now, Roman's not on all the premium live events, but anymore, he doesn't have to be. But he needs something to do, at least until they start gearing up for WrestleMania for the rest of the year. And then it'll be a couple more pay-per-views or PLEs, whatever we're calling them these days. But uh, Braun can fill that role. He's going over to SmackDown as a babyface, so I think that's where it's headed. Uh, It's just my guess, but it's fine. He's... uh, The other giants in WWE are horrible. Shanky's no good. Omos can't do anything. Uh, Commander Aziz, you know, and they've hidden those guys for a couple of weeks, too, uh, which is probably a smart idea just because I think all three of them are taller than Braun is. So we don't need to show everybody that. But... He has more personality than any of them. So if you're going to have a giant, this one, I guess it might as well be him. Um, they could even do he versus Omos and what would probably be the worst match of the year, but they could still do it as a curiosity uh, thing. But uh, it's, it's, it's okay. I really think he's coming in to keep Roman Reigns busy for a little while. And then, like Scott said, probably be somebody that's in the gatekeeper role that puts over people in key situations. So I guess it's fine. I'm not darn cartwheels about it but yeah it's he does have more personality than the other really tall guys in the company
0: Yes, and his personality, you know, is there. He has charisma. I appreciate it. And for me, his popularity peaked five years ago. Yeah. I greatly enjoyed his feud with Roman Reigns. That was high comedy. That was Wile Coyote and Roadrunner at its best. It was awesome. <laughs> it's well put. Batshit crazy fun. That ambulance match still gets me every time when Roman thought he had the match run and he flew in the ambulance at the last possible moment. It still makes me laugh. The violence they incurred to each other. I loved it. Um, I go back to No Mercy 2017, Brock Lesnar versus Strowman for the championship, and it was bad. And I don't know if Brock didn't feel like working that day or was all in water, but that was the moment for me. I checked out on Strowman as a main eventer. And I enjoyed the big show matches to the trilogy that culminated inside of steel Cage. That was fun, but he never got back to where he was with Roman and Big Show when he got exposed via that Brock feud and his run as universal champion during the early days of the pandemic, absolutely positively sucked. So it was not the best impression he left on me upon leaving WWE over a year ago. He's back now and they could run back Roman and Strowman one more time, but I just feel a bit numb to it now because of what I've seen from him in the last couple of years, but good for you. You got to check once again, the fans remember you, you're in great shape Just don't kill any more tag teams, I ask. Please protect the tag teams, please. Pretty please. But here's a better question. Why in the hell were the Viking Raiders not in this goddamn match?
2: So Braun didn't destroy them? (laughs) Right. Yeah, they're being protected.
0: See, this is like the AEW top five ranking shit that I don't like. Like, I swept the New Day, but I can't get a shot at the titles.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's a great point. And, and I'm I'm actually glad they weren't because they they have to win and you can't you can't do the Viking Raiders and the Usos yet. It's not it's not time for them to it's not time for them to take a L yet. So
2: what do you do with heels. them? Yeah, and they're all heels right now, too. Right. So, yeah, I'm not I'm not sure. We're in this weird era where WWE, despite having five hours of TV a week, cannot be bothered to actually build challengers. So we have to just do, oh, uh, we'll just make a five-way, a four-way, a six-way, a ten-way, and then whoever gets, whoever wins, boom, magically, they are the number one contenders. And we, that way, yeah, that that does it, right? We don't have to write stories for that. Yeah, we're good. All right, good. And uh it's this strange thing because they actually are getting a tag team ready, the Viking Raiders, and they've looked better, but uh, yeah, no tag team because they're the only tag team that holds any titles is also a heel. So I don't know what they're doing. And then they can't be in the. They can't, they should be uh, contenders for the tag team titles, but wins and losses in WWE still don't quite matter in the way they should.
0: Yeah. That's the case of WWE logic, not working for me. And I'm just like, Oh, I get it. I do. But damn. Just trying to make it make a little bit more sense for the viewer at home when you see four teams that have all lost recently try to get a shot at the tag team titles, which they will lose, by the way, at Extreme Rules. But that's neither here nor there as we move on to Kevin Owens and Austin Theory got his first name back last Saturday at Clash of the Castle. Austin Theory had a night on the microphone. He caught Clash at the Castle crown jewel. (laughs) That was something. And then, you know what? I have to give him credit because he made up for it by saying, you know what? I got knocked out on Saturday, so I have no memory of what happened. So I'm confusing everything. So that is a sign of a guy that I fucked up, but I'm acknowledging it by making sense of it. So I respect the fact he stumbled, got right back up, and regained control of that promo. Kevin Owens, great as always, calling out Theory. Theory's shit talking has gotten much better. I feel as if he's getting a bit more comfortable. In this role, because up until this point, it was like a walking troll face meme. Didn't care for it that much. As I slowly claim him as being from Atlanta, slowly but surely, he's getting there with me. But this match, I thought on Monday between the two was very good. Theories showing more and more in the ring. Kevin Owens is fantastic, and he keeps picking up wins, which makes me very happy as the prize fighter is a baby face over with the people and he still wants that favor owed to him by Roman Reigns somehow some way that storyline is going to play out in due time on Smackdown late in the fall so Steven what's your take on all of this involving Theory Owens and that bloodline threat at the same time I think Kevin Owens
2: is clearly headed towards some sort of clash with the bloodline. And we're going to I think we're going to talk about a little bit later when we get to what Sammy has been doing over on SmackDown and how that's all going to play out. At least I'm hoping that that's the way it plays out, that we see some sort of alliance again between Kevin and Sammy. But Kevin's terrific. He can handle a long match like Austin with Austin Theory. Austin Theory is good athletically. Kevin Owens is the guy that can carry him through and tell the story. And in other people's hands, a very long Austin Theory match doesn't quite work as well as it did here. Now, Austin Theory is not bad. But... It's a little bit gutsy to put him in there for almost a half hour, unless it's with a guy that's as skilled as Kevin is. And uh, that was a lot of fun to watch. It was a good match. It went through a couple of commercial breaks, but didn't feel like it dragged at all. And the talking was terrific. And, and, since they are basically stretching a two-hour show into a three-hour show with Raw. That's how I've kind of felt in the Triple H weeks. The, and we haven't had all that many weeks of the Triple H era here yet. But so far, it feels like it's a two-hour show that they stretch into a three-hour show by talking a lot. And um, <clears throat> these two were able to carry it. And this was a good segment. And uh, I think that it kept the show. The show didn't feel like it was dragging. I enjoyed it.
0: Yes, a very nice match. It went about 20 minutes to promo was nice as well, despite Theory malfunctioning a couple of times. But it happens to the best of us. So, Scott, what's your take on the segment and match between Owens and Austin Theory? I thought it was
1: really well done. Um, Austin Theory, when he was out there by himself, you mentioned he 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 just struggled. You know, he coughed it up a couple of times, messed up. But I think when Kevin Owens came out there and and confronted him and called him out, I thought when he went back and forth, that's when he really shined. And I think he's always kind of shined when he's been able to play off of somebody. So I I think that's something Austin Theory is really going to have to, especially to be a top guy, you're going to have to go. I mean, that's just what WWE does. You're going to have to go out there and sell a match. You're going to have to sell yourself without having somebody to always ping pong off of, you know, and. I think because once he has that, he's good. Cause everything in the ring, he's solid. He looks great. Um, that that steel step spot where he threw Kevin Owens, excuse me, head mm-hmm. first into the steps. That was great. That looked that looked great. Um, they had a, a really fun match. I like that Kevin Owens brought back the pop-up powerbomb. It wasn't for a two count. Instead, it just set up the stunner. So now you essentially can have two finishers, which I'm all I'm all for. I think every top guy and girl should have a secondary finisher that actually finishes matches. So I I loved all of this, you know, WWE does this with their money in the bank guys. They, they, they do this all the time. They lose all the way up until right before they win. I don't think he's going to beat Roman, but whoever that guy is that does beat Roman, that's who I would be worried about Austin Theory beating.
0: That is a concern. Cody, watch your ass next year, son. (laughs) Watch your ass by July 2023. If you're the champion, you know, Austin Theory might be coming for you. It's Atlanta versus Atlanta, and I'm torn between... No, I'm not. I'm going are with Cody, Are please. you
2: torn? Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> Hell wait a no. Minute. Yeah, Hell no. Quite a revelation there, Kayla Cash. <laughs> <laughs> wait,
1: a, wait a minute. Cody, reparations. Cody Luther King. are you seeing what's going on in the other
0: company when my man leaves? <laughs> are you now, seeing? Now, listen. You know I was lying. I didn't know. There's no contest. I thought, you know, sometimes I got to test my people here.
2: You know, make sure we're listening. Uh, yeah.
0: Yes. Like I said, I'm torn. Like, what? Wait a minute. <laughs> Scott was he was appalled like you're torn
2: all shook
1: up
0: and I (laughs) like Austin Theory I'm a big Theory guy (laughs) Cody Malcolm X is no contest what of course gotcha gotcha (laughs) listen muffins had to get you back for that one so had to sell it just right (laughs) I
1: might open the show with that every week a different
0: food you know what yes a different food group different pastries, bakery <laughs> items. We need to do it like and then shout out every local bakery you're eating from. <laughs> We got to do it now. This must be a recurring theme on this show. Scott's treats. Scott's treats. <laughs> I would,
2: does anyone want to bet that we see muffins on WWE TV at some point in the Stop next month? Right? Someone's That's
0: how you was it. teasing it on, our, yeah. on, on a Turner feed. And they did that
2: whole thing with Adam Pearce and Ronda Rousey where, you know, they go back to a very sober looking Michael Cole and uh, <laughs> and Corey Graves. We don't have Matt McAfee anymore, but uh, Michael Cole is sitting there just going, well, for airing Dirty lunch Laundry in public—it has been decided to be handled internally. Yeah. And just this, this deep, you know, this thing. And I just thought, okay, everyone's having a good time over there. Fine. All right, I see it. They are gonna save that for Roman when he
1: comes back. You're just gonna see him eating muffins when they're interviewing him. (laughs) Tired. I'm hungry.
2: I would I'm just have a plate of kids. When when Sami Zayn goes in to talk to him in his dressing room, you know, right, right, it seems to consist of a lamp and a couch. Uh, they should just have a plate of muffins just sitting there, not doing anything with them. Just have a plate of muffins <laughs> sitting there. Just. And Paul Heyman goes, "Where'd you get those this. from? Where'd you get those from? Oh, right, yeah, where did those road? come from? Oh, they're really good. You should try them.
0: <laughs> they have to do this.
2: They, really they take have the to off. do this. They really take the edge off. I feel so much more relaxed and happy when I
0: do. Yes." It's like it's like a Snickers. It just makes you feel different. <laughs> Except it makes you angrier the more that you eat them. Where'd you Death get them? Bombs where'd, everywhere. Where'd you get them? I had a
2: Target. They have a lousy manager, but they have these. Say so, these.
0: <laughs> Their bakery sucks at Target. Sorry, Target. Target's taking unnecessary blows this week. Really, <laughs> Target's a great superstore, by the way. Fantastic. That's where I got my muffins from.
1: <laughs>
0: Open seven days a week. Seven days a week. Okay, these muffins are now like cannon on this show. We got to shake them. <laughs> leave these muffins alone. As we transition to Scott's favorite subject, the the guy, and you can hear it. You hear this? The hands rubbing together. He's yeah. excited because once again, four star Miz. And I should preface this by saying four star celebrity match, Ms. OK, Lord. let's be fair here. He can only bring out four stars for celebrities and celebrities only. But it's still four stars as it was the Miz versus Bobby Lashley for the United States Championship inside of a steel cage. Tommaso who has got his first name back as well. Thank you very much. He was out there causing trouble throughout this entire match, attacking Bobby Lashley's arm. He was blocking Lashley from getting out the cage, beating him with a steel chair, slamming the door in his face, causing all kinds of trouble. The perfect distraction and antelope at ringside. But ultimately, as The Miz was slamming the door into Bobby Lashley's face repeatedly, hit a score question finale for a near fall, he is going to climb out of the cage, but in a great shot of cinema. Someone creeps underneath the ring, looks up, stares Miz up in the air. And it's none other than noted kidnapper, kayfabe serial killer, Dexter Loomis. And the Miz is spooked. He's terrified. And that allows Bobby Lashley to hit the spear to retain the championship. A great, great match for me to see Miz suffer and then to close the show. We have Dexaluma sneak in the ring to put the Miz to sleep before gently stroking his hair in a very creepy way. I enjoyed all of this. I enjoy Miz's misery every Monday night. And he plays it so well because he will not go into detail as to what's happened to him. So he gets kidnapped one week. The next, the guy sneaks in his car and we don't know what's going to happen after that. And now this week he gets put to sleep and is hair stroked by Dexter Loomis. I'm intrigued by the storyline and I need Maurice to give us a blow by blow account of what the hell is going on with her husband, Scott. What is going on in your bedroom when he comes home on the road after whatever he's doing with Dexter Loomis?
1: So what had happened was when Dexter Loomis kidnapped him, right? He sat him in a chair, had him tied up, and made him watch his rookie year's worth of matches. <laughs> Talking about mics. He made him watch his own rookie year's worth of matches on a loop. Um, and uh, so, you know, <laughs> there's that. Um, a couple things about this segment. I got a I great camera angle, by the way, on Dexter Loomis. I mean, I, I got to ask, who was up there? strapped up, holding that camera the entire show, holding it for that for that one shot. I, I, I got to know. Did he climb up there? Like, what a shot right there. Um, secondly, the match itself, Bobby Lashley. I love Lashley. I think he's great. My man decided about halfway through the match, yeah, this arm injury that you guys tried to do beforehand, that won't be affecting me anymore at any point for the rest of this match. And we got another 20 minutes to go. I mean, god dang, Bobby. You started suplexing him and tossing him with your left arm. You started show. I mean, really? Come on, man. That's the whole reason anybody would buy this. Like, I'm... You know... That's that's just me, man. And I, you know, I I get it. Everybody gives it an extra two stars because Miz gets speared. You know, Miz don't need the extra two stars because he already had four automatically when he steps on. So he don't need the extra two stars. That's all I'm saying. But the match was fine. I like Bobby Lashley getting another main event win. One thing that somebody pointed out on Twitter, I don't know who it was, um, there was a scream mask in the stands while Dexter Loomis came out. And apparently... That is the same screen mask that Indy Hartwell debuted on NXT with. So mm. I, I I don't know who pointed it out on Twitter. Uh, you know, I, I probably give him credit like I did my muffins, but I, I don't know who it was. But yeah, I, I, I saw that and I thought that was a very interesting thing if it plays out because it's, it's pretty random for a re- somebody to wear a screen mask in an arena because I'd be weirded out if they were sitting by me.
0: Yes, Ghostface still does things to me and I'm not a big fan of that, you know, and I apologize spoiling the end of Scream 5 earlier this year. Doobie dead. I got to bring it back up. I'm sorry. Again, again,
1: some people have not. I (laughs) forgot. And you just brought it back up. See, we would have been good. Beef. (laughs) (laughs) That's beef.
0: Well, listen, the episode is in the archives. Pull it up. Doobie's dead. I apologize. (laughs) I'm sorry. He died. He got stabbed. Oh my god. like a fish. Sorry. Oopsie, sorry, but that's a good observation. I didn't even notice that. So if that's Indy Hartwell, one step closer to the return of Index. And I I honestly am looking forward to Index and Dexter versus Ms. and Maurice, just for comedy purposes. It ain't gonna be a four-star match, but I will be highly entertained because Indy and Dexter will bring the funny somehow, some way. So, Steven, what are your takes on this main event and Dexter Loomis continuing to make the Miz's life a living hell.
2: Well, Triple H seems to have always believed in Dexter Loomis, made him a big... Part of NXT toward the end of his run there, and that was the whole Index storyline, which went for months and months. He seems to really dig this character. He's clearly putting it over strong on Raw. If Index comes in, that's when the act is at its best. So let's do everything at its best. She's terrific as a talker and in these skits. She's you know she really does excel in that in that way. So uh, you know if they were going to go with against Miz and Maurice on that, it's a good use of everybody's talent probably and then hopefully just a quick match you know something very basic there but you know, I'm intrigued by one of the other side of this thing, which is Bobby Lashley, who needs a feud. And, and you know, he's a guy that's got the U.S. title and doesn't seem to really have a beef with anybody on the entire show at the moment. He kind of needs one. With Roman not on every show, that U.S. title and the man who holds it, in this case Lashley, should be the focal point of Raw a lot of weeks. And I guess it was. It was the main event. It was a title match. Uh, but it, it does feel strange that Bobby really doesn't have a storyline, much of one, going right now. Uh, so, uh, you know, this this is obviously all about getting to Miz and, and Loomis, which is fine. But uh I think uh, we, need, we need to get Bobby something to do, don't we?
0: Agreed. I feel the same way. He's like a side piece of this feud, which isn't good. Yeah. He needs another opponent heading into extreme rules. Yeah. I think this should be the last week he's away from Miz, Chompa, and Loomis for a while as they got to build people up for that championship. You put, you're putting some respect and prestige back on this title and the champion, but you do need challengers that are going to elevate Bobby and this title as well, and hopefully mm-hmm. that happens in the next in the next few weeks or so.
2: Yeah, they need something going on because I mean Gunther's doing a good job on SmackDown with that Intercontinental title. We're going to talk about all that, but and uh, and Lashley certainly has the capability to do that with the U.S. title, but he, he right now doesn't have a dance partner.
1: And, you know, if needs one. if he doesn't if he doesn't have anybody planned, you don't have anybody ready for him. I think shifting the Judgment Day and that kind of story to him and letting letting Finn or Damian go after that title and, you know, letting Bobby still have a meaningful match, because those would be two meaningful matches for that U.S. title, especially with Judgment Day running rampant out there. I think that's that would be a nice segue while you're building somebody up because you can't just throw anybody out there to Lashley right now because Lashley, Lashley's on a different level when it comes to crowd reaction and just how people perceive him just from the entrance going and Keila. By the way, I'm glad I, I, I remembered that. You know, we we always talk about how NXT 2.0 likes to sexualize the women and shoot them from the from the ground up. Well, we do that with Bobby Lashley a lot, too. You know? And I, I want to I get some outrage from my gentlemen, too. I want to give them that same type of... Why, why are we sexualizing Bobby Lashley shooting him like that? Y'all ought to be ashamed of y'all. So I get it. It's after 10 o'clock. I get it. Horny hours plus one. I get it. But still, come on, guys. Be
0: respectful. <laughs> on a platform, no less. <laughs> Let me set this a platform, platform so you can objectify <laughs> me. <laughs> Oh, look at my, on my abs them. my ass look at that <laughs> bobby just being just a piece of meat out there for the world to see i do agree horny hours at ten forty five is a bit much for me but hey gotta do she gotta do to keep the ladies and the and the fellas in some cases tuned in oh he looks, he looks great he looks great no lie, he is in incredible shape. He has reversed aged for the last 15 yes, years. Yes, yes. How old
2: is how old is Bob? I mean, he he would look great if he were twenty-three, but how how he's old is 45, 46 man, he, years old? He is damn near it's my age.
1: That is it still moves really well. I mean, he's yes. got a great yeah. burst. Like when he <sighs> when he bursts, he's got great burst, man. Hmm.
0: Vertical leap's still there. He's yeah. ridiculous. No, yeah. So, he's tremendous. You go, Bobby Lashley. You go, boy. Now. Speaking of 2.0, it's now time to talk about NXT 2.0. As Tuesday, we celebrate. Do we really celebrate? Yes, we do. We will celebrate <laughs> the two. <laughs> we will celebrate the one-year anniversary of 2.0. And Scott and I have been working together for almost a year now. We've watched the majority of NXT 2.0. We have witnessed the lows, the, the lowest of lows, and the highest of highs. And on my own show, I mentioned that by June 2022, this show would be in a better place. And I was right at the end. We are much better than where we started. We're trying to figure things out. The show is not as green as it was in the very beginning because green leading green was not going to lead to good television. But during this year of experimentation, we have discovered some diamonds in the rough. Braun Breaker. Diamond Mind, Tiffany Stratton, Tony D'Angelo, just to name a few. We got NXT UK integrated on the show as well. Shawn Michaels has executed a vision for this show that is more in line to what he really wants in his professional wrestling versus what Vincent, Kevin Dunn and Bruce wanted for the last so much up into the switch up in the last month or two. I'd be remiss not to mention Carmelo Hayes and Trick Williams as well. You have so much talent. That will actually get a fair shake on the main roster when the time calls for it, but there's still work to be done. But I love the improvements made to this show in the last year or so. So, Stephen, I'm gonna let you go first with this. Can you go into some of your highs and lows of NXT to porno, and where do we stand today as we celebrate one year on Tuesday?
2: We're definitely in a better place. I, I do agree with that. I think it's a time for the term that the term that of the. The, this era in WWE which is cautious optimism. So I feel like we have that. There were some failures, definitely. Some of the low points, I mean, like you said, green on green didn't work. The Lash Legend Beef, what was it, uh BFAB Electra Lopez match might be one of the worst things that's ever been on American television. And they then it wasn't those two's fault. They were put in a position where they clearly weren't ready to be on T V like that. Uh you know, there have been some things Zion Quinn didn't click. Uh Lash Legends in ring stuff. Not so good, you know, that, but Solo Sokoa he absolutely deserves the spot that he's got. We're going to talk more about him a little bit later. Zoe Stark, I think, is really good. And she was starting to get a bit of a push before 2.0 and then got hurt, unfortunately, and things. But I think she's very good. And there are other people who are developing and still has a lot of potential. I think, I think uh, Bodie from Chase U has a lot of potential in the ring. Uh, Charlie Dempsey, William Regal's son, pretty good. There are a couple of people who need to lose... Bad gimmicks. Uh, Wendy Chu, her she's a good athlete and she's a decent worker. Uh, if her, but her, unfortunately her gimmick is that she's drowsy. Uh, he, uh, we have Tony D'Angelo, who's doing a really bad ethnic stereotype and dated and stupid. But that guy is pretty good at what he does. Carmelo Hayes is. Probably one of the ten best workers in the entire damn company, any brand. So there's a lot to do here. Uh, pretty deadly, I think. Have been really good in their time there. So Roxanne Perez, another person who I think is going to make it. Nikita Lyons, I think is going to make it. Uh, you know, and so there's a lot of good. There's a lot of good there to go with some of the people that didn't quite pan out. But that's always going to be the case when you're doing developmental. It's research and development, and not everything ends up going to market. So. The thing is, they have something obvious with Braun Breaker that he's he's cooled off a little bit, I got to say, but it's he's still doing fine as champion. He still shows a lot of fire, still shows a lot of charisma. And I think, I, I think and I hope that we're winding down soon on Mandy Rose. Not that I think Mandy Rose has done a bad job. I'm just not really sure what more they get out of having her as the champion at this point. She's not the person that's going to carry someone to a great match that's just not what mandy does she's a good personality but i think we've kind of run the course on that so I'm, I'm curious to see and hopefully that they kind of move on to that to somebody else to get a run and then you can bring mandy rose back to the main roster she's got the cachet of being a long-term champion in the face of a division for on a show for a year uh, so I'm looking forward to see where they go with that. I think that will help the show a lot if they go in a different direction there. Just because I think the act is about done with Mandy there. Uh, and she's done she'd done good, decent work with it. So, yeah. I mean, you have Braun, who I think is going to be a star on the main roster. There are other people that are going to be stars on the main roster. There are people who are having pretty dang good matches on that show once in a while, too. So... It's greatly improved. At first, when 2.0 came in uh, under the Bruce-Kevin regime, it was pretty painful. I think it's in better hands now. And I think as fans, I look forward to, as a fan, I look forward to Tuesday a lot more than I did 10 months ago, more than I did, a lot more than I did 10 months ago, more than I did six months ago. And it's it's just something that now I think, well, NXT, that, that last uh, World's Collide show was pretty darn good. Uh, you know, it's it, cautious optimism.
0: Same here. And the one thing I hated about two point was everybody had a side job. Yeah. Because professional wrestling wasn't enough. We had Duke Hudson running a poker room, Tony D'Angelo's a mafia boss. That's Bruce. And that's, that's Bruce. Bruce. That was so nineteen ninety two superstars. Yep. And that was the early days. The wrestling that I plumber, hated. the
2: wrestling garbage man, the wrestling accountant. Oh God. Yeah, that is that is Bruce.
0: Kiana James is apparently a part of the glow wow hybrid of having an accountant job. She's good at it. <laughs> I will say that she is committed. I do love her commitment to this character, which isn't easy to do. We had horny hours for months at nine o'clock. We've kind of cooled down on that now. No more swap and spit with Persia Parada and Duke Hudson. who I miss, by the way, I miss Persia hire her back. By the way, yeah. she has potential. Call her, call her up. Just saying, rehire her but i i don't miss all of that crap from the early days of 2.0 but i do love where we are now i used to read tiffany stratton for filth in this show and now i love her don't ever rock those braids again, sis. but Mm -hmm. we're good okay that was the one demerit i have on your ass von wagner a man that we have dedicated shows after a man that we have an award named for via the rap awards He has improved. We are showing him love because he's figuring it out. And that's all we want for the people who are trying to find their footing. We're rooting for you. We're going to get in your ass sometimes because we want you to get better. We're not blaming you. We're blaming people pushing you on TV before you're ready. But Von Wagner, sir, you have improved. You're figuring it out. Andre Chase, Chase you. (laughs) <laughs> I think it's one of the greatest goddamn concepts WWE has done in a really long time to commit to a fake school with the fake curriculum, with the fake crowd, with fake everything, but it's so authentic and he's over as a guy that can really work as well. And I just love that you see the potential of people coming into their own, the Creed brothers from day one. I saw it. There's still a green, but they're captivating to watch. Damon Kemp, another guy we talked about recently, he's coming into his own. You see the pieces falling into place for a lot of people on this show. Lash Legend, very green still, but her and Pretty Deadly, a great combination. Fallon Henley, she stands out. I don't care much for Brooks and Dunn, but they are. they fine. Days of Dukes are gone. But all in all, I feel as if we're in a better place versus where we were six months ago. So Scott, what is your thoughts on NXT 2.0, year
1: one. So I loved everything you both said about the youth movement and kind of, um, you know, what they've done with that, the guys and girls who are ready and whatnot. I kind of want to come at it from a different angle perspective in that I think with this version of 2.0, especially in these later, that second half of the year, especially and with, you know, a couple exceptions beforehand, but I think it's really been able to, reinvigorate some main roster people you brought up Mandy Rose before that she was you know Sonya Deville's tag partner right you know she was the other she was just the other partner in fire and desire and now she's a dominant champion on the NXT brand who can have good matches who you can rely on in the ring to have good Mm. matches that's because of the work she's put in at
2: 2.0 let, let's not. Let's not. She's not tearing the plate. She's not tearing houses down now. Let's not. No,
1: she's she's not tearing the house now. But she she is more than capable of having a good match, which is more than what she was doing beforehand. And she's and you know outside of the last couple matches with Mika and, and, and Blair, she's not like been working with world class talent in NXT 2.0. So. I think we credit has to be given to her for improving and really coming into her own. And that act, that toxic attraction act is a main event act that they've been able to groom and they've been able to get ready down in 2.0. Dolph Ziggler, nobody cared about Dolph Ziggler. He comes down to 2.0, people are like, yo, let me check and see what's going on. It didn't turn out like we wanted it, but the intrigue was there. Apollo Cruz, that guy, nobody's cared about that guy that much until he went down to 2.0. Ricochet came down and had a great match. I, you know, when these guys and girls are coming back down, Dewdrop came back down, got a nice victory for once. Like, well, <clears throat> it, you know, after she got pinned, I'm not even going to talk about what happened with Casey and JoJo <laughs> and Dewdrop, but. It's just nice to be able to see the main roster people come down and mingle with these guys and girls. Even Natalia came down and got a hero's reception, and I like that means like that matters and makes them bigger deals than what they really would be on the main roster. So I think it's also added something to the main roster where you can bring guys and girls down, and it feels like a big deal.
2: It's worth mentioning, too, by the way, Cora Jade is actually improved as a heel. but She's done better as a heel than I thought she'd be.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: That's fair enough. But, yeah, and it's, you know, like I said, Mandy, the, the the toxic attraction thing came right out of the late 90s. That's another Bruce thing. It's like, hey, we'll have hot girls and then the teenage boys will tune in, forgetting that they have smartphones and don't need to watch TV to see hot women anymore but to the uh because that's just feels really dated but uh, you know there there are a lot of things on nxt that's that's improved and like and like you said some of the the skits with the the side jobs and some of that stuff has has eased up anyway and we don't need to see uh Briggs and Jensen talking about how one of them can't get girls and all that. It it just uh, you know, that was that was tough to get through but we got through it and we might be out the other side of it now and this might be a much better show. So it was an interesting journey and one I think we'll look back on and just say we almost lost NXT there for a while but it got back and we got it back. It's doing better.
0: It was on the brink. We're not gonna lie and say it it was on the razor's edge. There There were were, moments when we debated. There were some weeks you
2: didn't want to watch that show. You're just like, oh god it's too shit. We're not.
0: Scott and I did a committee vote. Do we talk about NXT this week? <laughs> it came down to it. We want to cut the we wanted to cut this show from our list of topics, but it's gotten better. And I think, as we always said, that when they first made the switch to 2.0, are you doing too much? You're leaning too far in one direction and not enough in the middle of embracing the hybrid of having your veteran talent working with the greener stars to get them over and not having all green people all the time, not knowing what the hell they're doing and who I'm going to blame the trainers, Vince, Bruce, Kevin, Sean, I'm blaming all of you for putting this shit together, yeah. but never figured it out and it goes back to what NXT is supposed to be. What Paul Levesque has denied for a very long time. This is ultimately at its core, developmental. And for a time when it was black and gold, it was the indie darling under the WWE umbrella. And it was cute, but at the same time you were suppressing your developmental process. That it was all about the names you could get on your shows and not the people you were building up with very few exceptions, like a Bianca Bella who was able to creep through that door when it was all so indie heavy it was great, but you were stifling the people that were in there for years working to get to TV. Now you got the pipeline via level up, via the return of the coconut circuit, thank God, and now via this yeah. show to get people primed for the main roster once again.
2: Yeah. yeah, that coconut circuit's a big deal. Getting those reps, that's gonna be a very big deal to these folks because having your awkward phase as in pro wrestling where you're just learning where your feet are supposed to go and how to, you know, and how to get your body in position and all that doesn't need to be happening on national television. And now it doesn't necessarily have to.
0: No, it's not the finishing school now. Like, yeah. no need to do that. We don't need to see the greenness. Keep that off TV, preferably on the road and or NXT level up. So all in all, NXT 2.0 is in a much better place than what it was a year ago. And still, to this day, a highlight will always be the index wedding. <laughs> when Dexter threatened to cut everybody with that axe. If anybody objected to the wedding, still love it. <laughs> all time classic. And now it is time to talk about Friday night SmackDown going down live from Seattle, Washington, the first WWE show in Seattle in over three years. And this crowd was hot. They were hyped. And Sheamus, my Lord, this guy finally getting the flowers he deserves. It happened at Clash of the Castle, an epic battle with Gunther. And to know the power of that match, any time Gunther and Sheamus shared airspace face to face, these fans were ready for a fight. They were ready for a battle, and I lived. Sheamus was so over with the people and like it's built up equity. You want to cheer the guy because he's been putting in fantastic work for the last f- five or so years. And now he gets to show out his baby face, whoop ass accordingly. And I now want a best of seven series with Gunther and Sheamus. How badly can you beat the hell out of each other? But all in all, the six man tag team match was flipping fantastic. I loved it. Pete Dunne, Working like Pete Dunne, not so much like Butch, looking like Pete Dunne, hair down, gear up, Imperium's back together. Giovanni Vinci's here. We got Ludwig doing his thing, Gunther being the man. My only weak link in this crew for both teams is Rich Holland because, dude, I try with you. I try to forgive and forget. But when you drop my man Ludwig, the way you did on his knee, I was about to fight you. So you need to be very careful how you handle your opponents. My God, please be careful. That's all I ask. Otherwise, a really fun way to kick off SmackDown. What are your thoughts, Scott, on Sheamus, despite losing, having the best week ever?
1: I thought it was a really good match. Really fun match and you know if you didn't know any better the way you've seen all these six man you would think Triple H is about to introduce his own set of trios titles <laughs> so we, I mean good lord what's going on with all these these trios all of a sudden popping up everywhere um <laughs> Uh But, but I, the match was the match was great, and Ridge was actually somebody I wanted to touch on because you brought him up and you brought brought up that spot. And you know I don't know if Mar- if, if if Lou Wig tried to you know do a too much of a double jump or Ridge just tossed him too hard or whatever. But I think if these six continue to work together and just interchange matches and whatnot. I think this could be really good for him specifically, to work with all of these guys and to be in this group with Sheamus and, and and Butch or Pete Dunn is going to help him anyway, but to be able to work with with Gunther and Ludwig and Giovanni, I think that's that's what you want for him. That's what you want for a big guy like that is to be able to work with them. He doesn't have to, again, everybody doesn't have to become a main eventer. You want them to, but they don't have to be. If he could just be a solid big man who you can put in a tag team or just be a head that's what you want and that's that's what you want to get out of this especially working with guys like that on the flip side great job giving Giovanni a win especially after introducing him that's a Triple H thing because because I almost guarantee Sheamus would have pinned uh, Gunther on this episode tonight if Vince was still booking this because then it would have set up the rematch because you got to pin the champion to get the rematch. I love that they gave Giovanni a big win here. Sheamus was... You can still get Sheamus to that match even though I don't know if I want to go to that because I think the way the crowd is reacting to it, I might hold off on that and I, I might let Sheamus go after Roman, man. I When you got mm-hmm. the crowd like that, you just just run with it just go with what you got work and you got your 3 on 3 you got your 6 man you got people who can that's a tag title match something different for the usos to work with so you know you can go back to this match with gunther and but you can go back to it anytime and you're going to get this electricity you're going to get this magic because people know what you can get so i say hold off on it, especially since you just gave imperium a dominant win I say you let Sheamus go after Roman next, especially the way the crowd is with him.
0: Agreed. I would love to see it as well. Sheamus is so over right now. You can do whatever you want. Universal Championship in a kind of title. He would be over no matter what. And every time he was in the ring with Gunther, it was special. And that really speaks to how great their match was at Clash at the Castle, that when you're just standing there face to face, they want you to fight and it's a special feeling and shame is getting that love as a baby face. I think he'll be, what number two or three behind you, McIntyre? When it's all said and done, and I would love for them to—I to, would love for them to be a tag team as well. At some point, they would be a badass crew. As baby faces, got that a couple of years ago during the Thunderdome era. So, Stephen, what are your thoughts on Sheamus having a great week despite the L and having the six-man tag? We were so over in Imperium being Imperium on the main roster as we might be teasing some trios titles, which at this point would not shock me because we are getting very faction heavy in wwe once again
2: yeah it definitely feels like a lot of factions going on and it, it does seem like there are a lot of options going forward with these six and you have imperium really ludwig kaiser and uh i keep wanting to call him fabi mike or be giovanni vinci i gotta get used to that one uh They were one of the best tag teams in the entire company when they were in NXT. They were absolutely wonderful together, and they went right back into it, which, you know, it hasn't been all that long, but they slid right back into their rhythm, and uh, that was really gratifying to see. Gunther and Sheamus at Clash at the Castle is a classic. It was fantastic. Keep in mind, Gunther and Pete Dunne had one of the very best matches in NXT UK history. When Gunther took the title off of him, there are just a lot of places to go, and it reminds you that it seems like anytime Gunther has a good story and gets to a big match it's a classic Remember what he did with Ilya Dragunov over on NXT UK and it, if you give him the chance this guy's gonna come through he's a special character he's a special worker and You've got a lot of people there that he could bounce off of, and people could bounce off of him, and it it all the fans just get into it because it is so believable because it's more real than a lot of matches are. These guys really are beating the living hell out of each other. Sheamus is, of course, perfectly capable of handling all that and giving it all right back in a believable way. You have no trouble seeing the damage on each other's uh, these guys chests and and you have no trouble believing that they're in pain and that they're fighting through it and then everybody relates to that that's what we want to see so great work by everybody involved and I think they are being smart in that Seamus and Gunther only got to each other in a couple of ways during that match. They are kind of holding off on it, and I think they will be smart and then say, we're just not going to do this week after week after week. We're going to just tease this a little bit, and then, then when these guys wrestle each other again, we'll probably see a video package of these guys killing each other in Cardiff and put it together and saying, now they're going to do it again. It's going to be on this show, and it's going to be a special deal, and I, it's going to work because those guys are, are such strong workers. So... There are a lot of combinations of these six guys that you can do and have great matches. And this can go for months if they wanted to. And I hope it does. I'm in. And and if they want to send Seamus after Roman, yeah, fine. You, you can definitely do that. He's got more momentum now than he has in a very long time. And the man deserves it.
0: Absolutely. And I mentioned last week on the show in that. The secret sauce for SmackDown and the fall, if we're not going to do a draft, will be all of these factions and teams working together. Because I think Survivor Series has the potential to be really special if they flip the formula around. With all these crews beefing, there is room for so much to do. And Sheamus and Gunther... It's smart of WWE to give people a taste, a tease yep. of what you got on Saturday and make them want it even more when the mm-hmm. time calls for it. And I'm so glad that Gunther got the chance to showcase how great he is yeah. in front of the biggest audience possible. All of his stuff was done in the auspices of NXT, but to see him come through In front of a main roster audience that really sees his greatness that takes him to another level. Now, every time he's in the ring, it's an event. You get to witness the full Gunther experience and it's about damn time because up until that point, the matches were fine. But this, this was his moment to say, this is what I do. I'm five stars automatically when it's time to climax a feud. And he did it once again with Seamus. And he's going to do it many times in the months to come. So I'm glad that we got what we got on Saturday. And the fallout on SmackDown was even better. And now we got to talk about my dude, my favorite person in WWE. I'm biased, but I love Sami Zayn. I do. And he had another moment on SmackDown. This dude comes out here dancing to the Uso Sustain music. Just <laughs> dancing. <laughs> He's like, like you know, Tigger from Riddin' the Pooh. Just bouncing. <laughs> He's bouncing up and down. And I'm like amazed. If Jay even turns around for a minute, he'll lose it. So thank <laughs> God he keeps straight. But <laughs> he almost broke him again. Because Sami Zayn is such a parrot. He says the, this lingo he's not supposed to say, saying no cap. And Jimmy's like, uh-huh. <laughs> and Jay's like, what? But the thing that almost broke Jay was when Sammy said, growing up as an honorary <laughs> use. <laughs> and Jay almost <laughs> lost it. Like, how can you maintain your composure around this man? It's incredible. Sammy dropping that line, growing up as an honorary oof since birth i've been this way i've been a part of the bloodline hilarious so this leads to solo sequoia making his debut on the main roster he has presence for days he's reminding you "You mess with my family you mess with me and sammy's trying to get in in the family shot it's hilarious then drew mcintyre comes out to steal chair and hand to grab the bloodline and sammy once again bites a bullet for the fam as he takes a share shot on behalf of Solo Sequoia, which sets up the main event of Solo versus Drew McIntyre. We get even better stuff backstage with Solo appreciating Sammy's assistance. And Jay like, fuck this. Really? Thank him for what? It's so good. Jimmy likes him. Nope. Solo tolerates him. Jay hates Sammy. And the day will come when they will beat his ass on Roman's or, or on, on Roman's orders. It'll be a very sad day. It'll be great for me, cause it'll be sad, but at the same time, we know what's coming with Kevin Owens eventually. But all of this is a highlight every single week. I laugh until I cry because Sammy Zayn is fucking amazing, Steven. He really
2: is. And there are few people who are more endearing than this guy. And he just has a way of putting you on his side. And it's something that he did as El Generico. It's something he's always had. He's always had that intangible that you just you just want to hug the dude. He's just he's your guy. And he's done a wonderful job in this feud being the lackey for these guys. And he is, of course, playing the role of the last human being to realize what's about to happen to him. And one of these days, and Sakoa is probably going to be some sort of catalyst for it where they're just going to turn on him and everyone's going to feel bad for him, Is but what that's going to bring to us is Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens back together as a tag team for a real run, which is the only chapter of their story that we haven't really seen WWE. Of course, they had uh, a famous tag team run in uh, Ring of Honor and PWG and then they had the big feud with each other. Uh, so... The idea of seeing a team as great as Zane and KO against a team as great as the Usos, I'm just very much looking forward to it. But at the same time, don't really want this stuff to end quite yet. It's like, I know it's coming. It's similar to the Matt Riddle, Randy Orton thing before Orton got hurt, where you're just like, one of these weeks, he's going to turn on him, but I'm not sure I really want to see it yet because this is fun to watch. and everyone involved in this has been so good for so long and it, it really is a lot of fun and now they have the Sakoa thing and you're right there is an, a layer to it that uh, Jimmy is on board with Sammy <laughs> Like, They've and, and I love that he just kind of pats him on the back, scratches him on the head, it's like a golden retriever right there, it's like he's <laughs> Like this little French Canadian golden retriever they've got right there. And he said, Oh, good boy, good boy, Sammy, good boy. And, uh, yeah, and like you said, Jay can barely tolerate his existence, and Sokolo is not sure what to make of this guy. Like, why is he here? Like, why is this man here? Like, what? And, uh, yeah, it's just terrific. Everybody's doing a great job. And it's going to lead to some actual intense feelings and really good matches. So, We get to enjoy this knowing that the best part of this is probably ahead of us. That's a nice place to be.
0: Long form storytelling. You got to love it. And one more Sammyism before I toss it to Scott. Please. When he said deep AF. (laughs) All of this is incredible. And I just love Sammy Zane. I love him. I love him. I love him. That's why with him, it's cheddar biscuits all day, Scott. (laughs)
2: No muffins percent? No, I, I
1: still don't understand him getting cheddar biscuits though, but I guess that's what humor does. <laughs> um so you know, I think it's interesting because if we remember Jay Uso when he was uh first starting out with the with the bloodline uh storyline with Roman Reigns he was all amped up full of energy Uh you remember he was he was knocking on the door yo Roman open the door I'ma kick it on the floor he started doing beats and stuff as they went to a commercial and they came back he was still beating on the door and stuff <laughs> he had all this and he was Sami Zayn he yeah. was mm-hmm. that guy and he remembers how Roman Reigns would just look at him with disgust like yo what the hell is wrong with you 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 can't sit at my table acting like a fool like that. And now he's got all these people just accepting Sammy Zayn acting a fool. Like that dude is literally acting a fool. You mentioned Keila the other week when when Sammy did something or when he was dancing and Roman was like, "Yo, do it again, do it, again. do it again, do it again." <laughs> and he started. He's he's he's, a, he's acting a fool. And Jay is like, "Yo." Y'all going to let this dude do this when I had to literally get the hell beat out of me to be accepted in this? Hell no, I'm not okay with it. That's, that's Jay's mindset. He's like, of course I'm not okay with it. Do you know what? I had to go. And he's more upset that Jimmy's okay with it because Jimmy knows what he had to go through with it. That's, so I, I think what Jay Uso is doing is for, when he's not breaking. Because Lord knows Sammy's been, been real close to getting him in the middle of that ring. But the storytelling that that they're doing is so layered. And I think it's really good. Um, and that could be me giving them way too much credit. And maybe I, I put those threads together too much. But I just, the parallels are so, are there. Because when Roman gets fed up with it or when they lose a match, that like you said, he's going to be like, all right, take care of that and jay is going to be the first one to super kick him and it's going to happen it's going to be sad but that's i just see the parallels of the old jay uso and how sammy is now
0: and it's a brilliant parallel i totally see it too and there are moments when jay broke roman when he was beating on the door like that and sitting down and having this conversation. I remember watching the WWE Chronicle a couple of years ago and how Jay was <laughs> on Roman. It was like you, you really had nothing to say because it was a commercial, but he was cracking a Roman about whatever he was doing at that door. And Sammy's acting the same way. He's acting very naive. And Jay realizes your day is going to come when this is not going to be fun anymore for you. I've been there, lived through it, got beat down, gaslit. What about it? But it's just it's such a good storyline that it's gonna be sad to see Sammy get beat up, but it's gonna happen, has to, and it's gonna build to something better with KO in the picture. And then you got bloodline versus Sammy and Owens for the tag team titles. And yes, that'll be please, the first crack please. in the armory for the titles. That's gonna be the first crack in the bloodline. And I'm looking forward to it. But Sami Zayn is just the best. And Jay is a great supporting player. And as Scott mentions, he's trying to keep it together every single week. Just keep your face forward, Jay, anytime you come out for any entrances, because the moment you turn your head and you see Sammy jumping up and down dancing, it's over. It's a wrap. So just stay focused and you're good. You won't crack. Mostly. (laughs) As we move on to now our main event from this past Friday night, it was Drew McIntyre versus the aforementioned Solo Sequoia. A very good match, hard-hitting. Solo had a nice showing, dropping Drew McIntyre with a Samoan drop here, hip attack there, belly belly suplex everywhere. Apparently, he was really delivering those heavy shots to Drew McIntyre, and Drew hits him back in kind. And eventually, despite all the shenanigans from Sammy, Jimmy, and Jay at ringside, and an assist from the Street Profits as Montez Ford lands a beautiful crossbody on all three members of the Usos and Sammy at ringside. We have Drew land the Claymore kick on Solo, knocks him out of the ring. And at this point, I'm like, OK, something's about to happen here. And sure enough, it does. This is the one thing I hated from WWE television this week. And I'm only Triple H to stop this as soon as possible. I like Karrion Cross. I like Scarlett. I like their entrance in black and white. What we're not going to do is have black and white attacks. Yeah. Cinematic style. We're not going to do that. He came from behind and he choked out Drew McIntyre in black and white. I don't know who said, let's get this Instagram filter for this attack. Let's make it real cinematic and dramatic. I couldn't buy into it. Michael Cole, who I love now. Was a bit over the top. Oh my God, he's gonna choke him out. Oh my God, we're fading to black. Somebody get some help. Oh my God, we're fading. We're fading. We're fading. We're gone. And they're still talking, and the kid, it, the, the screen is black. They're still talking as if he, the life has been choked out of him, and there's nothing they can do. I thought it was a bit much for me. This is too extra for me. We dealt with the red light from the fiend, which I hated. We had this in Cara moonlighting ten or twelve years ago. It's just too much extraness I don't need to see via this act leave it to the entrance and entrance alone I don't need sneak attacks in black and white I don't like it it took me out of the moment like someone said on Twitter why did my tv go to c68 it made no sense it was a very dumb production move by Paul Levesque Kevin Dunn whoever but don't do that again. That's being too cute for your own good. But I'll let Scott take it from here, as I'm sure he might have similar thoughts to what to what happened regarding the end of Friday night SmackDown.
1: No, no, no. I um I'm going to just sue him because I just smacked the side of my flat screen like you used to do in the old days <laughs> with your TV when it went black and white, you just smack it on the side and the color comes back. So I just did that and broke my TV. So I'm going to just get a brand new TV <laughs> on WWE. So it ain't no biggie. Ain't no problem. I'm I'm good with it. Um, Yeah, absolutely ridiculous. This is silly. Um, Like, I just, I don't, I don't get the mindset here. It's, this just doesn't even seem like a triple H thing to do. I don't remember him doing this with NXT. Like, I this just seems really out of left field and very random. And if this is carrying crosses and Scarlet's idea, this should be the last one that they take.
2: Yeah, I mean, it did come off very, very silly. And and the thing is, too, about the chokeout, and I know that he the Triple H, just like Loomis, he always believed in carrying cross, pushed him to the moon in NXT and uh, he likes him a lot more than i do like i just didn't i thought that he was just okay in NXT and this thing like it's just a chin lock that's what his choke is like half the time he didn't even have it cinched in the whole time as everybody's screaming that he's going to murder Drew McIntyre and things half the time he didn't even bother to hook his left hand in it it was just a chin lock and i'm just looking at this and just going oh, I got a chin lock in black and white and this isn't this is just ridiculous. And poor Drew McIntyre, who just had this really good match with Roman Reigns, now has to go paired it off with this. And I'm just like, uh, well, I mean, Drew's going to have to carry him, but he probably can want to put over the host of this show. By the way, you guys had a thing on the show last week talking about how we never should have seen Drew McIntyre singing with Tyson Fury. I want to talk about that because. We saw on SmackDown why you were absolutely correct. Do it all you want for the live crowd, but do it after the show goes off the air. Drew McIntyre's intensity and his anger towards Solo Sokoa was exactly what it should have been and something that doesn't happen often enough in WWE. Somebody gets screwed over and it seems like they don't seem to mind all that much. Drew was pissed at this guy. He was angry. He marched down to that ring. He told you will fight me tonight. And, you know, when Sakoa said, yeah, okay, I'll do it. And, you know, but, but Drew looked like he was, if you don't come and fight me here in the ring, I will find you at your hotel and throw you out the window. That's the intensity that he put on. It would have been perfect. Except we saw him singing and smiling at the end of that show. We should have just gone right for him being pissed off about not winning the world title. Next time we see him, he's right pissed off at Solo Sokoa for costing it to him. That would have been the right tone to set. And then, you know, this whole thing with the black and white. And it's it, it, was, it was a bit of a... WWE stubbed its toe a little bit on that one. And the whole thing was a little overwrought. And I think they go a little over the top with the facials and the body language. With, with two people that are pretty decent i mean scarlet's a terrific character and like i said cross needs to be carried but drew's the guy that can carry him i'll wait until i see but i do not want a black and white match not for a single second not once not even for no 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 thank you entrance only then looks like a wrestling match
0: yes and scarlet who i love very much i don't know what she was doing with her face on friday like girl stop it's (laughs) it's, <laughs> you, it's getting ham levels a little ham yes, bone yeah stop now I, like, stop you,
2: you know believe me i know that she knows what she looks like just look like that that's fine that's yes that's, there I, was one you, time don't need this
0: she did <laughs> there was one time she did lip sync on the XT, and like she even hated it so yeah. like yeah just focus on how you carry your face you pull your face for moments like this. But yeah, don't do not do this again. I can't take the black and white of it all. It took me out of the moment and I cannot take the attack seriously when the sleeper wasn't even cinched in. It
2: wasn't, Go, but go back and look. That was a chin lock. <laughs> Reverse chin lock. That was a rest hold. And,
0: yes.
1: And you know, the other thing that I think is getting lost in all this is that Solo had a great debut. And you yes. know, the fact that we're talking about you know this the this, this silly uh you know old cartoon that happened at the end of the show instead of talking about how solo really in my eyes i thought he really got over in the loss you know one of the little things really stood out like one of the little things that they did when solo was out there and he got recognition when drew ran to the ring everybody cleared out except solo yeah solo stayed in the ring and was like yo if you want to fight we can fight It ain't nothing to me. And little things like that. Because we know who the bloodline is. Sammy, we 100% expected him to run as soon as we heard Drew's music. So I was surprised he was even still in the ring. But for Solo to stand there, that's a little thing that you do to make him like, oh, he... He, he tried to one up, go one on one. OK, so then in the match, it's like, all right, I can believe this because he wasn't scared earlier and I see why. So I don't I hope that doesn't get lost in the Karrion cross nonsense is that Solo made a great debut. He
0: did until the Cuphead finish of it all, but I'm gonna leave it alone.
1: Yeah, that's a whole other thing
0: too. You know, I, you know, when I'm bringing up Cuphead and muffins, it's a rough week here on the rap, but we're gonna make it work to the very best of our ability. But that finish sucked. But Solo, great showing in a SmackDown main roster debut. As we put a bow on this week's edition of the rap right here on the Fight Game Media Network. Before we go, it's time to make our picks for the best damn television match of the week. So, across. Unfortunately, unfortunately, no longer in XT UK may, may it rest in peace. So across raw, NXT 2.0 Smackdown Main event And hell Even NXT Level up Steven What is your Match of the week
2: I have a feeling This one might be Unanimous choice But it was the Brawling Brutes Against Imperium That was the best Match of the week In WWE And and there were Other decent ones But that match Was terrific All the way through And we talked a lot About it in the segment Where we discussed uh, Imperium And the Sheamus And Gunther But uh, six guys That are really Feeling their characters Right now Really have the Public's attention and then have terrific chemistry in the ring together. We mentioned Ridge Holland does need some work, no question. But five out of six made for a pretty damn good match. I love this one. I enjoyed every second of it.
0: It was so good. And in honor of our OG member of the Fight Game Media Network family of the rap, Paul Fontaine, to Michael Cole, we don't call them the Imperium. (laughs) No, that's true. I don't know where the Imperium came from, But in my streets, we call them Imperium. So, Scott, your pick for match of the week from WWE.
1: Well, first of all, it it is Michael Cole. I wouldn't be surprised if Michael Cole also says the Migos. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I, um, (laughs) you know, I I agree. Even though the Sheamus, the the Brutes versus Imperium. Is that their their official name, the Brutes? The Brawling Brutes. It should be. The Brawling Brutes. Oh, okay. All right. Cool. Um, I so I'm gonna pick a different match just to just to be different because you know that's just me. Um, Nathan Frazier versus Axiom. It was a very enjoyable match on uh, 2.0. I, I thought it was very good. Nice blend of styles. And you know I haven't seen a lot of Axiom or A Kid, but it was probably one of my favorite matches of his that I've seen. So that's a, another enjoyable match. If you've already seen the sh- the uh, the Brutes and the Imperium six man so I would check that one out too
0: a very good match on 2.0 I love Axiom I just miss a kid and that the mask he can't emote and it's killing me so just can we ditch the the superhero mathematician please and bring back a kid for this I'm just saying Triple H Sean Vince is gone just get rid of this otherwise a fine pick I will go with the six man attack from Smackdown as well but Honorary mention to the reinvigorated, rebirthed, reconstituted Steiner Brothers and from Braun Breaker and Tyler Bate. Really good. They were a great tag team mm-hmm. on NXT versus Gallus. And I would love for them to be a tag team on a regular basis. I would actually take two belts Breaker right now. They were that good on Tuesday. I was very impressed with Bate and Breaker as a tag team on 2.0. Hey, man, go ahead and just check
1: out 2.0 from this week because Roxanne and Miko was pretty good, too. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, uh, 2.0 was a, a good a good show this week. I know we didn't break down the matches because we just talked about the year and stuff, but a really solid couple hours of wrestling.
2: Yeah, and, that, and you, you hit it on the head. It was good wrestling. The, the storyline, they almost took a week off because most of the show is really just giving people that job done. Uh, that did jobs on uh, Worlds Collide wins back. So it was a little bit of like, okay, a little, you know, you didn't win the women's title, so we're going to put you over Roxanne Perez in a good match. You know, Tyler Bate you lost, so we're going to put you over in this one and things. So there was a lot of that in this one, but the action was terrific, yeah
0: really really good week for wwe in terms of some good matches across all three shows really as you wrap up this week's edition of the Wrap right here on the fight game media network i want to take the time to thank steven and my co-captain scott for always chopping it up with all things wwe
1: yeah and i also want to uh again i want to thank baker's treats for uh <laughs> for, <laughs> for the blueberry muffins again any target walmart food lion Open seven days a week. They're not Chick Fil A, so they are not. They are not closed on the Lord's Day. So the seven days a week, go get
2: your Baker Streets. <laughs> well, I appreciate you having me on again. I always enjoy
0: it. Pause <laughs> for one second, because you did not just <laughs> name drop food lion on this show. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, we
1: done talked about red lobster, (laughs) food lion, baker's treats. I mean, come on, are you surprised? I could have brought up the Aldi. Aldi. (laughs) The Lion
2: H E B and Kroger and Hey, how about a Publix while we at it? Albertson's
0: Food Lion, sir.
2: (laughs) <laughs> I mean,
1: I got one of those too, but they expensive, you know? Better have your MVP card.
0: <laughs> I am done now. <laughs> I'm finished. <laughs> Find me on Twitter at
1: need for Marvel vs. DC. That's the number four. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and he would shout himself out afterwards. <laughs> <sighs> okay. So that's it for this week. Um, I'll be back next week. There might be a surprise at you coming your way, um, brought to you by Foot Lion, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if they sell muffins or other baked goods. I don't know. But um, that was a way to end the show in a way I did not expect. So for myself, for Steven and for Foo Lion Scott, <laughs> that is a wrap on all things WWE. Take care.
2: Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy
0: Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah,
2: you get it. Every time.